0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar and podcast series Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be hosting this discussion today. We are pleased to have Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forums Israel office, join us here each week to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry.
1: Thank you very much, Stacey, and good evening from Israel. Um, if there are no last-minute changes, dramatic changes, they would certainly be. Um, uh, then tomorrow, the 37th government of the State of Israel will be sworn in, again led by uh, Netanyahu, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the longest-serving prime minister in the history of Israel. Um, as we know, uh, he will have uh, the Likud as part of his coalition, his party will have the United Torah Judaism, we will have the Religious Zionist Party, we'll have Otsumay Yudit and the single, single seat Noam party, uh, which will give him a majority of 64. Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk about exactly what will be in the coalition agreements, what will be the coalition guidelines They were released today. The coalition agreements themselves were signed uh, today. They had to be handed in 24 hours before the swearing in of the government, or at least the discussion, the Knesset discussion, was swearing in of the government, which will start 11 o'clock uh, Israel time uh, in the morning. Tomorrow, probably the discussions will go on uh, for a little bit. I'm sure the opposition will have much to say as it has. Uh, in recent weeks, uh, so the opposition, the current government, the future opposition, it gets a bit confusing um, because officially uh, Netanyahu is still the leader of the opposition and Yair Lapid is still prime minister. Um, but basically there's there's no great surprises. Much of what was talked about is in the final agreements, the coalition guidelines, which have to be formally handed in as decided by the basic law, which is, as we've discussed, um many times in the past are uh, sort of a quasi-constitutional uh, basis, but they're very vague. They, We will strive to do this. We will strengthen that. We will try and do this. We will support that. There's nothing specific, you know, like, for example, on housing. We will try and lower the cost of housing, and that's something that governments have been trying to do uh, for a lot of time. It's very short on details, um, but that's obviously for the new housing minister and the government. Uh, to try and, and sort out. So there's not that much that we learn. There was quite a bit of furore around a clause in an agreement between uh, the religious scientists and Likud um, that basically they would try and enact a law, which I believe is similar to a law in the US, which allows someone, uh, because of their religious beliefs, not uh, to do an act in their private business that would harm those religious uh, beliefs. For example, and there was a famous case in Israel, I think a couple of years ago, where a man was fined, uh, I believe, ten thousand or twenty thousand shekels because he refused um, to uh, to become a photographer. I think it was at a gay wedding. Um, and what the religious Zionist party appears to be doing is that it's going to put into its guidelines that it's up, you know, uh, freedom of religion, freedom of choice, and if they decide someone doesn't want to do it, as long as there is an alternative, um, then uh, then that will be their choice. Obviously, as you can imagine, that caused quite a bit of outrage and opposition, not just in Israel as, and around the world. It gave a lot of cannon fodder to those uh, in the opposition and those who are worried about the future government, that it's going to infringe on uh, uh, the rights of those from the LGBTQ uh, community and maybe rights of other minorities um and that, obviously again it's in the coalition guidelines and as we've seen many many times before or the, i should say the coalition agreements not everything written in the coalition agreement actually comes uh to fruition so um there you know there is a lot of opposition to this government there's a lot of people talking about that it's a threat to democracy it's a dark government it's this that and the other um but you know nothing has actually been done yet but uh Certainly, there's enough in there for opposition uh, to try and poke holes, and already the demonstrations have started in earnest, as I'm sure they will continue to throughout the Netanyahu uh, tenure Uh, from the opposition. That's that's the divisive politics of Israel at the moment, when the, the future government, I should say, as of tomorrow... Uh, was in the opposition, we saw all sorts of demonstrations, all sorts of activities to try and bring down the government. I'm sure the opposition, which describes itself as a fighting opposition, will be doing as much as it can um, against uh, the current government. Obviously, uh, in the Knesset today, I I spent quite a lot of time in the Knesset today with both current uh, people in in the current coalition, future opposition, and current opposition, future coalition. And obviously, for every fact or every area, every arena, there's two very different stories um, around exactly how well things are going to go, how good it is that we have a new government, etc., as one can imagine. Um, What there was today and what is going on as we speak, the real drama at the moment, is within the Likud, because while the last uh, few weeks since uh, since the results were officially declared and since Netanyahu was given the chance to put uh, through a uh, government. All discussions were in what his future partners will get from uh, from not just policies, but importantly, what positions they would get. And they've been known for to a certain extent uh, for a while. Uh, but today was the day that um, these positions were given out. I saw Tsahi Braverman, who has basically become Netanyahu's right hand man who was formerly cabinet secretary, and I think he's going to be the head of the prime minister's office, or at least the head of prime minister's Lishka, his you know, uh, personal office as opposed to the whole uh, uh, prime minister's office, uh, was going um, room by room from the Likud uh, potential ministers and those who saw themselves as ministers to relay the good and bad news. Many of them made their way to Netanyahu's office to receive this news now, the, uh, there's quite a, a faction within Likud who is certainly extremely upset about all the what they would uh, argue are plum positions given out to some of the partners, and they would argue not that much left uh, for the Likud. Um, some of the positions we know uh, so far are: defense minister will be Yair That's certainly no surprise. That's the, the the first name that people were talking about for for a long time. Foreign Ministry, interestingly, and, and this is really what became a bit of drama today, Foreign Ministry, which is the other very high level position um, uh, that was left of the Likud, has not yet been officially given. Netanyahu would like to give it to his former ambassador to the US and very close confidant, Ron Dermer, uh, someone who grew up in the US, someone who's very familiar, intimately familiar with American politics. Um, but because there is so much discontent in the Likud, it's highly unlikely at this stage he'll be able to give him that position. I'm sure he'll find something else for him. Uh, so the question is, what would happen next? Well, when Dum's name was removed from the table, uh, Yisrael Katz, a former transportation minister and foreign, uh, former foreign minister, assumed that the position was his, that he didn't see any other uh, particular competition, especially as Amir Ohana, another name touted um, for the foreign minister's position, Uh, was declared to be um, uh, the head of the Knesset, chairman of the Knesset, speaker of the Knesset. He'll be the first openly gay uh, speaker of the Knesset and basically the third person in line of command in Israel after the president or prime minister. So when his name was taken off and Durham's name was taken off, Israel Katz assumed that the position was his and he was summoned to uh, Netanyahu's office where he was basically told that not so fast. Not only are we going to have rotation on uh, the foreign minister's position as we know there's a few positions which are on rotation which means two years and two years uh, Smotrich uh, and Derry um, famously are going to have uh, two years each in the finance ministry and when uh, Katz came and heard that it will be rotation wasn't the worst news that he heard during that conversation because the worst news he heard is that he wouldn't even be first he would actually be second to Ellie Cohen Ellie Cohen comes very much out of left field. He's not really, wasn't really up until recently, seen as a top-level um candidate, not someone with too much uh, foreign policy experience, not someone who is you know really at the top end of what people would assume would be an obvious uh, foreign minister. And the fact that Israel Katz, who thought he was just going in to receive the formality of becoming Uh, foreign minister was told, not only will you not be foreign minister, you not only have it on your own, you'll actually have it second, left him fuming, and he said, then I will not take it. And he was offered another ministry in conversation and and refused to take it. Yisrael Katz is the sort of head of a little group of uh, Likud members with uh, Dudiam Salem, uh, Bitan, and a few others who are really, really unhappy. None of them got the positions they wanted, so there's going to be a very strong uh, group of resistance within the Likud. We already saw that today uh, during the first faction meeting. As we know, this Knesset has actually been uh, in existence for a few weeks now. and Every week, usually, every single party has a faction meeting. The press is invited. It usually happens on Monday. Up until today, the Likud had not held a faction meeting. And uh, as many people suggested, including um, Danny Danon, who also uh, sees himself as a uh, a, a person for a potential high ministry uh, asked why the well didn't ask insinuating the reason that there was no faction uh, meeting held is because uh, there would have been a lot of complaints and rejection about what Netanyahu was given to his partners over what he's given to Likud so if you include Danny Danon in that group and there's a few others um, Netanyahu is going to have a little bit of a problem you know at least, at least for now he's going to have a little group of uh, resistors I mean it you know, it could be, it could include Bakat, who's becoming a very powerful uh, figure within the Likud. Um, but that all will be played out. But the fact is that there is a group of very popular, let's say, pretty popular. You know, not the most popular, but pretty popular in Likud uh, people who have very good connections up and down the country with really Likud activists, uh, municipal players, etc., etc., who are extremely angry and will openly challenge. Netanyahu, at least, uh, you know, to a certain extent. Um, and again, that, that's before this this government has even started uh, to go. So we don't know exactly yet who's going to get all the different positions. Uh, we're still hearing uh, literally every minute about another position, which is and being given um, the, uh, the the Knesset ended early today because they're rearranging the tables, the, the cabinet tables, and the uh, in the in the Knesset plenum. So everyone was sort of sent home. The main action came in the morning when they passed all the various laws to make sure um, you know all the issues could be ironed out uh, before a coalition, like the dairy, the so-called dairy law, to allow Aria Derry to serve, even though he made a plea bargain, uh, Smotrich law to make sure that he could. Uh, receive a minister's position within the defense ministry and then be in charge of the civil administration. That's going to be extremely crucial for the first time according to what uh, religious Zionist party sees it. They're going to be in charge of the civil administration and they're going to try and uh, ensure that those Israelis who live over the green line, their quality of life, their designation before the law is equalized as it is to other uh, Israelis. So that's going to Cause a lot of uproar, perhaps around the world, depending on on how far it's taken. Um, but there's a lot of other things in there which will, uh, you know, sort of assuage the, the the international community, like keeping the status quo of Jerusalem, keeping the status quo on the holy sites. That's a nod to the international community demand that um, Jews not allowed to uh, Jews will not be allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. Um, there's a nod to trying to expand. On the Abraham Accords, that's basically, you know, code for trying to get Saudi Arabia into the Abraham Accords. That's something Netanyahu has spoken very openly about, uh, not just within Israel, but also to international media. Um, and there, you know, Netanyahu has really tried to put forward uh, this view that, you know, no heart, no no rights will be harmed, no freedoms will be harmed. Uh, we're trying to lower the cost of living. We're trying to look after every citizen. Um, there's been some uh, you know, talk of raising the, the salaries of soldiers after the, uh, the salaries of those who learn in yeshiva has been doubled or will be doubled, and that's part of the coalition agreement, um, there was a lot of outrage that the soldiers are still getting paid, uh, so little, so their wages will be put up a little bit, so there's, there's a bit in there, you know, depending on how you read it, there's a bit in there for everybody trying to calm the fears of those uh internationally trying to calm the fears of those let's say not in the hard opposition but sort of more in the middle who just want to wait and see there's a lot of people who are nervous uh about what's going to happen with this government um there's a lot of people obviously who are pleased with what's going to happen in the government but at the moment we really don't know because as i've said the coalition uh, guidelines the coalition uh, agreements are nice uh, they give, a, they give a, a a sort of direction on where this government's going to go, but they don't necessarily mean uh, that there's going to be, um, you know, anything materialized. You know, there's plenty of clauses that have been written in coalition guidelines throughout the years, throughout the decades in the state of Israel, never saw the light of day and were there just to get the agreement signed and then sort of either forgotten or pushed aside or all manner of mechanisms to make sure that uh, it never happened or just that there wasn't any great interest. But at the time, straight after elections, they had to look like they were fighting for their particular electorate. So regardless of what has been talked about, what has been signed, what has been agreed to, what has been broadcast, the real work starts tomorrow with the swearing in the government. Uh, There will be a change of power, interestingly enough. uh, Netanyahu does not want to have a public uh, exchange of power in the prime minister's office. He didn't do it when he was replaced by uh, Bennett as prime minister, and he's not going to do it now with Lapid. Uh, But usually all the current ministers and all the incoming ministers usually have a big ceremonial um, uh, ceremony of uh, exchange of powers. Both the incoming and the outgoing minister speak about what they have achieved, obviously, in the case of the outgoing and the incoming of what they would like to achieve. So that could also give us a little bit of a taste of what, how the ministers see their particular positions in the coming days. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions on this or other related issues.
0: All right, thank you so much. So the, the first one we have in is Barry Werner asks, is it possible that the resistance to the new Netanyahu government will bring the government down? And Steve Podolsky uh, follows up, what would happen if the disenfranchised Likud left the party?
1: Well, let me answer the last one first, because that's um, in, in the, the sort of attention that the dairy law, the Smotrich, I mean, these are not obviously the official names, but these are the ones that the media gave them and everyone refers to. There was an interesting law that was pushed in as well, obviously hurriedly, because, uh, you know, they wanted to get ahead of the coalition, uh, the swearing in, was the fact that they cancelled a law which would have allowed f- uh, four members of Knesset to break off from a party. Now, interestingly enough, as I said before, there were at least four extremely discontented Likud members of Knesset. Now, I don't think they would have broken off because, you know, I'm sure they're looking long term and it hasn't been so good for those who have, you know, left the Likud in the past. I don't think they would necessarily would. But while there is that opportunity legally, it is something that they can hold over Netanyahu. It's something which, you know, can potentially make life uh, difficult for him. Um, so that was, uh, interesting that that, that particular happened, uh, as well, uh, that was passed in today. The, the possibility that the opposition will fail this government immediately or very soon is very, very small. Netanyahu has a nice, uh, majority again, you know, 20 years ago, a four seat majority is not considered that big, but we've had quite a few governments now, um, years where You know, governments have been uh, existing on on a one seat majority, on 61. Um, So 64 certainly does give some breathing room. Will this be the government, will it see out its days? Highly unlikely, um, because no government uh, simply has since the beginning of the state of Israel. Will there be some change in the makeup of the government at some point? Uh, I think I mentioned the last time uh, that there is a lot of talk in the Knesset, both amongst the opposition and the coalition. Uh, that at some point Gantz will join, uh, perhaps after Netanyahu has achieved some other uh, laws that will make it easier for him to, let's say, challenge the legal process against him. Again, this is talk, I'm, you know, there's, there's nothing official, but I'm sure there's a lot of outreach, I'm sure there's discussions, I'm sure there will continue discussions. If you ask me whether uh, Netanyahu would probably prefer someone like Gantz uh, to some of the other partners you have as in the government, I think probably, yes, it will be easier for him. It will be easier for the international community to digest. And as I've said, the fact that he put Yorke Gallant in the defence ministry, it will be relatively easy to replace him with Benny Gantz if he should join in the future. But again, a lot will have to be decided. By then, a lot, there'll be a lot of, um, uh, you know, decision making in the, in the coming uh, uh, months on that. But at the moment, you know this government will be sworn in it will um, it will not be felled in the coming months that you know I, I just simply don't see that happen. and usually with a government of this makeup if we look in the past they usually last longer than other types of government it's more stable no one pretty much in the current government will want to break up this government because it'll be hard for them to go to their electorate and say well we could do better we could be, you know, we could have a more right-wing government because, as everyone has said, this is the most right-wing government in the history of the state of Israel. There are no more right-wing parties to any of these parties. And if a party decided to jump ship and break up this government, it would, it would be very hard for them to explain to their electorate why they would do so. So up until the time that that happens, I don't think there's any chance that the, uh, the opposition will fail this government. But again, things can change in Israeli politics pretty quickly.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, touching on Gantz there. That was that was my personal question. I was wondering where we sit with him. Um, David Weiss asks, is there an existing Knesset parliamentary mechanism by which, if events in the politics warrant, Lapid and his allies could replace the far-right parties and maintain a coalition with Likud without new elections?
1: I mean, that could happen if Netanyahu would want it, but he doesn't want it at this point. Lepid, as I said, Lapid is far less likely. If you look if you look at the opposition, the most obvious party is uh, the National Unity Party of Benny Gantz. Even, perhaps, even if he doesn't bring everyone across, there's some former Likud people that Don't forget, there's some people in the party like Gidon Saar, Zebelkin, who are more right wing than many of the, mem- the current members of the Likud. Um, so they would be comfortable ideologically, especially on those sort of issues, maybe not on some of the other issues. Um, but uh, you know, there's other members like Eddie Eisenkot who are more to the left. Um, so you know, even if Benny Gantz decided tomorrow or whenever it would be that he wants in on this government, it could be that he won't be able to bring his whole party across with them. Uh, maybe some will resign, some will refuse to go. Maybe he'll only be ever be able to bring a part. If he doesn't bring his whole coalition, then he will have to sit with at least some of the. Current far right uh, religious parties, um, as opposed to sort of getting rid of them all, which is what some have posited could happen in the future. Um, but there, there's no mechanism. It's just simply if Netanyahu has 61, or whoever would be prime minister has 61, they're able to swear in a government without elections, then, then it can simply happen. You know, there's been many, many times when Netanyahu ha- has had partners who have left, others who have joined. Uh, I I think back to the famous example where Mofaz brought something like 20-something seats to a government that was a a massive government of like 80. Uh, So, you know, in theory, any party can join any time if they agree and Netanyahu wants them and all the partners want them. Uh, There's no other mechanism to force Netanyahu to take partners. That's not the way uh, Israeli political system works.
0: All right, thank you. Maria Fleck asks, what is the public opinion reaction to the coalition agreement's initiatives published?
1: Um, I haven't seen a poll uh, recently. Um, so it's it's hard to sort of get a, a sense of it at this point. and uh, you know there, there's, as I said, there's been a lot of outrage, you know, a lot of the media which are, you know not necessarily great big fans um of this government have obviously you know tried to slam it tried to attack it tried to make any little you know detail uh turn or twist it you know uh, again if we think of that uh, issue with the lgbtq uh, community being refused service they, they made it into something that it wasn't necessarily i'm, I'm not i'm not justifying i'm not saying it, but the uh, you know the way it was actually written is it they believe the, the future uh, uh, government believe it actually gives more freedom to people to, you know, to basically use their conscience. Uh, that's the way they would frame it. That it's, it gives more freedom. Well, obviously, their opposition and much of the media would frame it as they're giving less freedom, freedom because then you can dis uh, disqualify or discriminate against someone because of uh, who they are. Uh, that's not what that's not what the uh, the, the agreement says. Uh, but there's certainly enough in there for opposition to jump on and make it a big thing. But then there's you know, the coalition will say, well, they've made it into something it is. And, and, uh, and, and it's simply just it, it's a way to ensure that a situation where someone doesn't get fined for uh, basically just espousing their values uh, and not uh, taking on uh, a business relationship with something which goes against those values. That's what they would argue. It's a complicated issue. Um, I understand it's something the US was grappling with a, a number of years ago. I think there was a also a famous a famous uh, uh, a case where someone asked them to make a cake for a gay wedding, and a, 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 a religious Christian said uh, a baker said no, we, we refuse to work for that. And and I think there was a law legislator which allowed uh, a business to do so. So I think uh, that's something which very much. I think the initiator of this, which is Simcha Rotman, who is going to be the head of the Knesset uh, Committee on Law, uh, Justice and Constitutional Issues, uh, is very much modeled a lot of what he's trying to do on US laws. Um, so he would argue that it's just, you know, it's, it's not something he made up, it's something he's trying to, uh, to borrow from the American system. But obviously, there has been a lot of opposition and a lot of talk specifically on that uh, issue. So that, I can tell you, just again, from my feeling, There's a lot of people, let's say, on the more liberal side of the Likud who are worried about some of the things which they're hearing uh, about, which they didn't necessarily, they would say they didn't subscribe to, they didn't vote for. Um, But again, we have to see really what's going to be enacted, what's going to pass. Uh, Because as I said, uh, these agreements at the moment are guidelines, um, they're they're directions rather than directives. And until something gets passed into law, becomes a a, a ministerial decision, then then that's all they are at this point.
0: Thank you so much. An anonymous attendee asked, does Labour have a big, big role in either uh, the government or the opposition?
1: The Labour Party? Yes. No, (laughs) the bottom line is no, I think they have four seats in the opposition. Um, No, they have a very small role. In the opposition, they're one of the smallest parties in the opposition. Um, you know, the historic party, which you know, was the was the ruling party for since that from 1948 to 1977. I think this is the lowest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is the lowest they've ever been. And the merits party, which is the party to the left, are actually were completely wiped off the political map. Didn't even pass the electoral threshold. So, the left and the far left in 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 the current constellation is is minimal. It's down to four. Uh, whereas I think in the last Knesset, it had like 13, something like that. So uh, no, the Labour Party will have a very small role, even in the opposition.
0: Thank you. Uh, Kerry asks, under the new government, do you think that we will see a change in policies, especially the peace process with the Arabs and the Palestinians? And Barack Khorkmaz follows up. Do you expect a game changer from this government? Uh, like, begin sure... Shamir, Sharon, Netanyahu, all right-wing leaders, uh, did revolutionary things in terms of international relations.
1: Well, I I, I use the example, you know, when people are outraged and say this government is going to be the end of things, it's the end of democracy in Israel, they said the same things about Menachem Begin in 1977, and he went for peace in 1979 with Egypt, and then you had Ariel Sharon, you even had uh, Shamir, who went to Madrid, the Madrid conference in 1991. Um, and you had Sharon, which did the disengagement in 2005, who was considered you know, the, the antichrist for many around the world. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a guide for this government, because I don't think it will. I think it could make bold gestures regionally, um, if it can. Some say that the fact that the sovereignty light has been put back on the table. It's not really sovereignty. There's a big argument exactly what in the guidelines is to do with sovereignty. It's not really sovereignty. Um, but there's certainly been hints of sovereignty. But a lot of people are suggesting that that's another gambit by Netanyahu um, to bring the Saudis in by saying, I, I'm prepared to give up sovereignty if Saudis um, uh, agree to peace and formal relations with Israel. That's what some are suggesting. That's what, you know, ostensibly Netanyahu said last time with the with the agreement with the Abraham Accords that he would give up sovereignty in favor of it. I don't think that's gonna have them rushing to the table. You know, they were fooled once. I'm not sure they'll be fooled again. Uh, as far as the Palestinian issue, no, it's it's not going anywhere. It's not even because of this government as we've seen in the last year with a very centrist or center left or, or, you know, a, a government even with an Arab party in it, there were no moves forward towards peace. Um, Mahmoud Abbas has no interest Um, He'll be sitting from the outside as he was for the last however many years, basically, you know, slamming the government uh, at home and abroad, trying to initiate moves against Israel, the ICC, the UN and other international bodies supporting the BDS, uh, tacitly supporting even uh, violence, etc, etc. So if the last government wasn't able to move an inch on the peace process, I think it's highly unlikely that uh, the next government, but There is a belief in Israel, which to a certain extent has been borne out by history, that the right makes peace more than the left. Uh, But I'm I'm not convinced that will happen this time.
0: Well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update us this week. For our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern with Inez Cantor-Freedom discussing the price I paid for criticizing Erdogan. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.